the Good Pals Podcast with Matt Stock and Zach Stevens. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 11 of the Good Pals Podcast. My name is Matt Stock, and I am back in the lab on Lake Linden with my friend, my producer, and my good pal, Mr. Zach Stevens. Stevens. Yo. Stevens, if I've said it once, I've said it twice, and I'm going to say it a third time. We're back. The Good Pals Podcast is back. Yeah. After a brief hiatus. Do you want me to explain? No, we don't have to explain. I'm just saying we're back. Okay. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah, well, we're dude, we're busy guys, man. I hope people get it. I had family time. Yeah, yeah. But big family visit. <sighs> Lots of stuff going on. That can be, you know. Huge. That's a lot. But I'm glad you guys had a good time. Um, and we got a busy week this week because it's RBC Heritage Week here in uh, Hilton Head Island. South Carolina, for our non-local listeners, RBC Heritage is, what is the RBC Heritage, Stevens? It's a uh, golf tournament that... Uh, PGA tournament. Yeah, PGA tournament that's huge. It's a huge event, biggest sporting event on the island by far. And um, yeah, it turns the island into complete and utter chaos, some good, some bad, for about a, a weekend. It is the Kentucky Derby of Hilton Head. Absolutely. Big event held at Harbortown Golf Links, beautiful golf course mm-hmm. in Sea Pines, uh and Sea Pines Plantation here uh, comes every year. It's getting bigger and bigger every year. And I was a hater my whole life until I went last year, and now I'm yeah, a, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I've I've, I've gone many years. Uh, I'm not in the mood really in the mood for it this year. It is it's a lot. Uh, the crowds are bigger. The field is bigger. Purse is bigger. Twenty million dollar purse this year. Yeah, I'll be there. That's no joke. It's always the week after Masters. I want to win it. Yeah, and then a lot of good players commit. We have, we have a lot of great players here, but then the 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 big players that fuck up uh, at Augusta, then pull out. Of the Heritage next week. We're talking to you, Roy McElroy, pussy. Yeah, I think he's going to get fined for that. I don't think he had a uh, an excuse. I hope he does. People were really excited. I was excited that he was coming here, too, you know. Um, Tiger got injured, but Tiger, we, we know Tiger's never going to come back. He don't play here. Do you know why he doesn't play here? Um, I've heard that it's narrow. Like, the course is narrow, and that doesn't play to his game well. That's funny. I heard he fucked a waitress at Wild Wings. And something weird happened, and that's why it doesn't come back. Oh, well, Wild Wings is gone, so who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's a bit of truth in everything, you know? Yeah, I mean, he likes, uh, what? didn't he uh, fuck a waitress from like a shitty like uh, Waffle House in um, Florida? But it wasn't a Waffle House, they called something else down there. The list is long and distinguished, but tough to see Tiger go out like that last week. I'm still a fan (laughs) of his, really, though. I like, you know, anytime he's in play, it makes golf a lot more exciting. So yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, so feel better, Tiger. But uh, Heritage Week is really exciting for not only for us, for like all of our friends. Whether people are working it, we have a lot of friends in the hospitality industry. People go down there and hang out. You know, they have uh, you know several events leading up to it in the beginning of the week, and the official first round is tomorrow. So you got four rounds Thursday to Sunday, and lots of people got up in the morning today. They put their plaid on, they put their cool outfits on. You got to get dressed up. You got to look a little sharp for Heritage. They jump in their cars, they make a right, they head down to Sea Pines, and they go to Heritage. I got up today and I put a thin flannel shirt on because it's a little brisk, and I made a left, and I drove to Bluffton to see the fucking Super Mario Brothers movie with you. <laughs> Can we address first and foremost? And we I think we've said it on an episode before, the way you say Mario has always cracked me up. Yeah, you know I was listening to a podcast uh, this week. You know the big picture that I often mention. Yeah, and they had a couple guys from a, a couple guys from New York that have a. Uh, a video game and slash pop culture podcast, and they were saying Mario, and all the hosts got on them. Like, what's Mario? And they're like, that's how we say it up north. Everyone yeah, says I guess. We say Mario a whole lot. Must be an, a Jersey thing, because you say Mario. 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 Yeah, Mario to everyone else, I guess. And now that I had the name pounded into my head so many times in the beginning of the movie. You're Mario. You're the Super Mario Brothers. Oh, the Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. Well, I got, the real way, we need to ask an Asian person how they'd say it, because it... But what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's, it's Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. Well, are you, you're trying to bait me. No, I don't, guys, uh, no is, I don't want you to do an impression. I don't want another Angela Bassett situation here. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about... Super Mario. We're going to talk about Super Mario Brothers movie uh, later. We're going to go a little more in-depth on it. Um, a couple reviews today. We're going to review that. And you went to see Air with our good pal Sarah Joey Clemens. Fuck yeah, dude. Last night. And then I said, yeah, maybe what I'll do before we record is I'll go see Air, and then I'll come over to the place and we'll record so we can review Air. Mm-hmm. And you said, no, let's go see Super Mario Brothers instead. So I did. Well, we ha- I mean, this movie is 
destroying. It's breaking records. Yeah, I mean, as a as a journalist or a, you know a critic, I do have to check it out. You know, and my nephew told me it's his favorite movie ever. Yeah, and he's yeah. eight. He knows everything. Weston. Weston. Yeah. Weston. Good pal, future podcaster, and Nick liked it too. I got beef with Weston when he was here. I tried to do what <laughs> I tried to do what all all cool uncles will do. Like I don't I don't even remember who introduced me to Lord of the Rings when I was a kid. But if I knew, I'd thank him. And I'm sitting on the couch here. I'm like, you ready? We're going to watch The Fellowship of the Ring. And dude, we get like 15 minutes into it. He's like, he's like, uh, just tuckered out. Yeah. He might be a little young. Is he young for Lord of the Rings? Orcs are scary, man. You think? I don't know. I feel like I watched them then. I think it might have scared I was a wuss when I was a kid, though. I, th- I know it would have scared me. I'm a wuss now. We just watched yeah. some horror trailers that scared me. I don't like scary movies. I watched an episode of um, uh, Siskel and Ebert. Back when it was called At the Movies, and it was about werewolf movies. And I had scenes from The Howling and American Werewolf in London, both in the same episode. And I was so scared, I went up in my room and sat in my closet and started crying. And my parents were like, what's wrong? I'm like, the werewolf show scared me, and they thought I was lying. They were like, is, is it something else? Is there something wrong? I was like, and that's really what it was. God, my dad was probably like, Jesus, because a pussy. So that was like, <laughs> you you remember that as like the first like pivotal scary thing to really fuck with you? Yeah, there's this one scene where there's, yeah, there's two terrifying, there's, they're both scary movies, but there's a terrifying jump scare scene in American World in London that still fucks me up. And for The Howling, they showed a transformation scene that was extremely gnarly. Rick Baker, some Rick Baker's early work. Dude, do you want to know mine? Ooh, yeah, sure. It's so dumb. What scared you? Yeah. Yeah. The OG first Paranormal Activity movie. Uh, it was kind of scary, dude. Well, I was just convinced for the longest time after that that there's like a scene where she gets like drugged by the entity out of her bed, like by its foot. Yeah, yeah. And, and I always... I that always, was like the money shot in the trailer. I always slept like crisscross applesauce. <laughs> could you show me what crisscross applesauce is? Not in this chair, but even to this day, I think I sleep like one leg up. Looks a little. You put a leg up where like your your foot is, your leg is up like this. It's kind of. I've just been sleeping like, like that a little bit lately myself. It's like tucked, like a flamingo, I guess. Okay. I've had friends tell me I sleep like a dude who listens to Drake, or something like that. <laughs> That's funny. I don't even know why, but it is funny. Where does the applesauce come into play? What are you talking about? Applesauce? Yeah. Why you bring that up? Because he said crisscross applesauce. Oh, I don't know. That's like a. I think they said that in kindergarten. Oh, so there's no applesauce actually to enjoy. Can we look that up? Why is that a thing? <laughs> I guess we can really look at whatever we want. Crisscross applesauce. Why? I've that? heard the figure of speech before. I just it's funny, you know. It's one of those things. It's Somebody's one of those gonna, things. It's fun to say, but somebody's gonna find my search history. He's just gonna say crisscross applesauce. Why? So, um, well, you look that up. I have some good news for you. Guess what? We're not talking about today at all. Go ahead. We're not talking about Marvel movies today. I have no Marvel news at, at all whatsoever. So I thought you'd be pretty happy about that. Oh, that's it? I'm, to be honest, I, I saw the I saw the trailer to Guardians and got extremely excited. It looks great. Well, yeah, well we did we made a we made we made a promise basically after after Quantumania oh, God. that we would not go in depth about any any Marvel stuff until we see Guardians. Yeah, okay, cool. Which is about a month away, so we yeah. still got some time. Then let's not. We still got some time to come out. But I do want to, but then you got a little you got a little bit grouchy with me because I said I would announce new Star Wars film projects. Oh, yeah, let's talk Star Wars. That's the, fine. I just had a moment this week when I saw a clip from the new Mandalorian episode where, like, Lizzo and Jack Black are a part. That, dude, it's just it's getting to this point to me where Star Wars being owned by Disney is all just about, like, box checking. So the Mandalorian is facing... Some shark jumping accusations this week because of this episode where the Mandalorian and Bo Katan go to this uh, pleasure planet, like it's a you know utopian, um, or a hedonistic society, lazy, rich, opulent. Opulent is the word they use to describe it. Hmm. And Jack Black and Lizzo are the monarchs of the of the town, and it was and it's just a, it doesn't work. It's just a little too like cheesy and. Um, well, it's, it's no, I just a- took a long break from the Mandalorian, and I watched. I started watching it again. I watched the Book of Boba Fett recently, and I caught up on the Mandalorian in like the last week. I really like that show, man. It's fun. It's like a western. The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I, I just can't. T- every episode's the fucking same. Like we need to go to this other planet. Yeah, and yeah. No, they're like, similar. It's like, a, and it's like you know, a bad guy, a bad guy of the week kind of thing. The guest stars. You know what I was thinking earlier when I was thinking about Jack Black and Lizzo. You know what the Love Boat is? Are you familiar with the Love Boat? No, uh, like in movies? No, the on TV. 
Oh, no. There's a television show called The Love Boat. It was on ABC every week for a decade or more. But it was a cruise ship. Then it was focused on, you know, meeting, maybe meeting the right person for yourself. It's called The Love Boat. But every week on The Love Boat, like 10 to 12 guest stars, musicians, um, other TV stars, movie stars, stars on the way up, stars on the way down. Like, you can look at, like, Love Boat credit sequences. Um, they're probably all over YouTube. It's crazy. But that's what The Mandalorian is sort of getting like. I mean, you got your Timothy Oliphants on there. But then you also have, like, this week had, like, Lizzo, Jack Black. Uh, Lizzo, God bless her. She's cool. She is cool, and she's talented. But acting, she just was, it wasn't, you know. Well, and here's the thing. And, and, and Jack Black was really Jack Blacking it up and being like, whoa, Johnny. Oh, my God. We'll talk about Jack Black a lot this episode, but, like. Yeah, we have but, some more positive stuff to say about Jack Black. But but like I'm gonna catch flack for this, but I I use a lot of Twitter. If you go on Twitter and you're like, if I tweeted right now, like, why the fuck was Lizzo in the Mandalorian? Oh your no no, your immediate response will be, well, you must be racist. You're gonna it's get like, canceled. It's, it's like no, I just saw a movie with an incredible black actress in Viola Davis, and it's like. It's like, wh- why, don't, why don't we just let someone else play the role of the black woman who can actually act instead of a fuck- instead of fucking Lizzo? <laughs> How, you know, or another great performance recently, Angela Bassett in Black Panther or Wakanda Forever. Yeah, that was wonderful. Don't do it. <laughs> but but yeah. I'm just, I'm just no, saying. I know, I know what you're getting, bud. I know what you're like getting. Bo- it's look, it's, it's just a, like box checking. Twitter's, then, Twitter, film Twitter is fucking crazy. And then you have like stands of like, Lizzo, whose like profile pictures just like harass cheeks, and it's just like ah, I'm not. She's like I'm so happy Lizzo's in this episode of Man. It's like who gives a fuck, you know? Yeah, I I didn't think it was a good fit. I do like Lizzo. I read a Vanity Fair profile over that was really good, and I was pretty impressed with her like intelligence and her philanthropy. And she is a bad bitch. She's struggling like, with a lot of the same shit that you know. Let's uh, I mean. She really came from nothing, that's for sure. Struggle with some other issues. It's not Lizzo. I like her. I, I like her body positivity stuff that she tries to do. I wish I could feel like that. It's not Lizzo often. that I'm upset with. It's it's um it's that they're trying to compensate bad writing with names. Yeah, it doesn't work. I don't know how badly it's written. I think it might have been better with different parts, but it was it was just an off it was an off episode. I don't know, man. I saw Obi Wan Kenobi show that was some bad fucking writing. I like the I like the Mandalorian. You don't like anything. You've been, you've been hanging out with me too much. No, like I liked anything. season one of the Mandalorian. What do you know about the movies that the three movies that they've announced? Star Wars movies are coming back. I don't know anything, but I have them pulled up for you. After the failure of the rise of uh, Skywalker in a lot of fans' minds, not mine, my co-host though, absolutely, um, Disney. Uh, and Lucasfilm announced we're going to stay away from Star Wars movies for a little while. We're going to focus on these TV shows, which have been pretty well received. Mandalorian's a huge hit. Uh, everyone loved Andor. I did not see Andor. Obi-Wan, you're right. I mean, that's the last two episodes were cool for the fights and stuff. But um, three promising film projects announced, the first of which is going to feature Rey Skywalker. With Daisy Ridley, they're sticking Daisy with Daisy Ridley coming back, set, I think, 15 years after the events of Episode Nine, and it's going to be about her trying to restore the Jedi Order to glory. Imagine that. So her gathering Jedis. So I'm all, look, I'm all, I love Ray. I love Daisy Ridley. I like the character. Yeah, I like her too. I'm so that movie's appealing to me. This is not a trilogy. These are unrelated films. They all take place in the Star Wars universe, but at different times. Okay. So they haven't painted themselves in the corner of, oh, we got to get, we got to tie all this shit together, you know? It's got to get exhausting after a while. Um, the other one is good. Dave Filoni is like the main writer director on the Mandalorian, He's and like I Favre's trust him, right hand guy. And Filoni's doing one that wraps up like the Boba Fett, Mandalorian, um, and Ahsoka like storylines. You know who Ahsoka is? Rosario Dawson's character, the yeah, Jedi. Of course, I love Ahsoka. Big yeah, fan. Katan, right? So yeah, he's doing. Uh, Bo Katan is a Mandalorian. No, Ahsoka isn't that her last name? Uh, I don't know what her last name is. I thought it was just like Madonna. <laughs> She had one name. Bono. <laughs> it is something like it's Tan or something like that. Yeah. But Rosario Dawson's great in the in the in the role. She's cool. Oh fuck yeah. So that's like a Mando, Boba Fett, like Ahsoka and affiliated characters movie that Filoni's doing. And I think that's cool. And the third one is uh our guy, James Mangold. Tano. Who we talk about often. Yes, Ahsoka Tano. We talk about James Mangold often because we love Ford and Ferrari. Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, yes. Love Logan, love three ten to Yuma. Really dig a lot of his stuff. Walk the line. Yeah. Guy's got a pedigree. Upcoming Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which uh, I'm going to mention down the line a little more briefly. So Mangold is doing a Star Wars movie that is based on 
It's being called like a biblical film, like a biblical epic about like the the birth of the force and like the wars that happen around it or something like that, like a historical epic style picture. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I think everything that James Mangold does is pretty cool, except one little bit of Mangold news I don't like this week is he's doing a Bob Dylan film. <laughs> You're going to piss one of our fans off, one of our friends of the show. You know what? I'm sick of Timothy Chalamet, dude. I, I can't. I can't do this with you. I liked him in Dune. He was good in Dune. I didn't see the cannibal movie. Look. Oh, yeah. I don't want to watch All right. Him. So we got the Bob Dylan gig. <laughs> Fine. So he's playing Bob Dylan in Mangle's Bob Dylan movie. Does that movie have a name yet? Uh, I was like, no direction. Who was a Martin Scorsese one? It does have a name. Look it up. But I forget what it's called. Isn't it kind of universally known that, that everyone can do like a shitty Bob Dylan impression, though? Once upon a time, you feel so Like, you know, everyone can do it. At least a bad one. Did I, I, didn't, I didn't see that one movie that um, Todd Haynes did. Uh, I'm not there where like Kate Blanchett played him and a few different actors oh, played him. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, Timothy Chalamet is going to do his own singing as Bob Dylan in his Bob Dylan biopic. He's a talented kid. Uh, yeah, have, you, have you seen him sing in anything? Has he played musicians in any movies? I'm telling you, I'm standing him for this girl that I'm I'm sure he's got with. a band that plays in the village like, you know, a couple nights a week and everyone sits around and snaps. You know Lauren that I've mentioned to you several times. Yeah, she seems amazing. Dude. Yeah, she's awesome. But um, She's she, a writer, right? Yeah, she writes. She's a nurse at a yeah. at Hopkins. She's a she's bad. She kid. was upset with me misclassifying Bella Ramsey as a princess on Games of Thrones. Correct, but what she wants. I'm more sorry about that, Lauren. You're right. That was not cool. But what she wants more than anything is to deliver on a promise that I've made that we will do a full fledged Timothy Chalamet episode. <laughs> You're dreaming, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maybe maybe when Dune comes out, we'll run through his filmography or something. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll have the celebrity roast of Timothy Chalamet. I don't. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you can do a bunch of your celebrity impersonations. I don't hate the guy. I do like how he is portrayed <laughs> though in, in in pop culture. They do make fun of him. Like you know how he's playing Wonka. Have you seen the videos of like people making? Bobby has a little concave bird chest. Whoa, no, because he's just. We don't take physical jabs on this show. <laughs> No, he's just dumb. Like he's he's like kind of a bro. He's not a bro. Like he's just like, oh. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, Dune was yeah, he was swelling Dune. Okay, and Lady Bird, I guess too. Well, he was a perfect Paul Atreides, I thought. But anyways, that's yeah. either here nor there. How long is still Dune too? Into this year. Nice. Isn't that crazy? They're. I'm glad they're not waiting. Oh, it's gonna come up fast. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Can I get something off my chest? If I see another <laughs> fucking set picture of Lady Gaga and Joaquin Phoenix on the Joker 2, I'm going to be upset. They're, they're like, now, October 2024. That movie's going to fall flat on its fucking face, but it's going to be held up by dumb fans that are obsessed with Batman. That's just the truth. Like, that movie's not going to be that good. Stevens, you're obsessed with Batman. I love Batman, <laughs> but I'm more excited. To, I saw a Flash trailer that got me ready to run yeah, through a wall. Yeah, right, dude. Because I'm ready to see Keaton. But, like... Well, if like here's what the, here's the Joker formula of Joaquin Phoenix. We're just gonna make this guy sprint through Brooklyn. Yeah, and film it. Yeah. Hey man, right here with you, a Joker hater. You know, for that movie, I watched. Uh, here we are. We're talking about comic movies, but you brought that up and it reminded me of a couple things I wanted to talk about we just, that we didn't get to last week. So we're gonna talk about it now. The Joker Folie Adieu. This is the title of the sequel, which is French for Madness of Two, which is obviously about the Joker and Harley Quinn. The set photos are out. You know, we've seen them in their makeup or whatever, and um, they look fine. And people are bitching about it. But fanboys responded pretty harshly to it, like, "Oh, Lady Gaga, like this sucks." And the movie is a musical, allegedly, it has musical elements to it. So, what I want to ask the fanboy community is, if not Lady Gaga, who the fuck do you want to play Harley Quinn? You know, she looks like her. She sings. She's a great actress. I love A Star Is Born. I've seen that shit like I mean, five times. Man. I'm not She's gonna lie. I think I think Lady Gaga pers like perfectly personifies Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. She's a little yeah. She's artsy fartsy, but she's also a little rugged. Yeah, well, she has that whole the, like with her with the music stuff with the videos and everything. She has that whole theatrical thing down, like the Bowie. Have you ever and have you ever seen the episode of um uh The Office where they it's called Hot or Not where like half the office is torn on whether or not Hillary Swank's hot. Oh yeah. I kind of feel that way about Lady Gaga. You're not sure if she's hot or not? Well, I'm just in this like... Well, I think it's perfect, though, for this role as Harley Quinn, where she's just kind of like... 
you don't want her to be like perfectly beautiful, you know. Yeah. You want her to be kind of like a chick. I, that I think there's an element of the Margot Robbie thing where it's like, oh, we like Margot as our Harley Quinn and fuck Lady Gaga. But she's oh in God, this yeah. Joker universe where she's go playing against Joaquin Phoenix, whatever the fuck he's doing. I think she's a great, great, great choice for the role. And I think she'll, I think she'll be good. But and, and Joaquin, but Joaquin Phoenix will not be as good as even Jared Leto. No, okay. Who I will just, reiterate, I watched for, for for the first time last week. I watched the Snyder cut of Justice League, oh, the, yeah, four, the four hour one. It was really good. I didn't realize how different it was from like the one that, that Joss Whedon put out. Yeah, it was much better. Yeah, I thought but, it was, but it was a different, completely different fucking movie. Nonetheless, that Leto Joker needs to be forgotten in time. But that Leto Joker in the last five minutes of Justice League is better than anything that Joaquin Phoenix thought it's a Joker. That's neither here nor there, but. <laughs> But at least we can both agree on the fact that Ledger's and Jack's. Yeah, Ledger's great. I mean, it's, it's you know, that's... Uh, yeah, you like that's, Jack's Joker more than Ledger's? No, 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 oh, no, no, no. Okay. No, I like Jack's fine. I think they all do. I think that everyone who's done it brings something different to it. Did you see uh, mixed reviews about about uh, Joaquin's new A24 movie, Bo is Afraid? Yeah, I can't put a finger on what's going on with it. Weird. We, we haven't seen it, but... um, was it? Is it's not out, no? It comes out uh, April 21st. Okay, so soon. Um, we, you know, we love to cover anything A24, Matt and I, but so... Do I dare go to a double feature of Bo is Afraid and Evil Dead Rise on April 21st? I don't think you stay awake. I'm, <laughs> you have a valid point there. This movie, that's a gnarly double feature. Bo's Afraid is three hours long. Tell me some of the stuff you're hearing about Bo is Afraid. I, I mean, I hate to be... It, 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 it's actually... Its reviews have risen since its initial release, but somewhat. But people are going a little bit hard on it. Well, when when Ari Aster puts a movie out, people expect hard right hooks. You know what I mean? He's made Midsummer. He's made Hereditary. Well, they I think there are some. I think there are some. I've I've heard you know uh, terrifying and weird and very upsetting. Yeah, but know? I don't think this movie's a, a in your face horror like the other two. No, I don't know if it is either. But apparently, it has the hormones. It does have a real. Real gnarly. My dad cracked me up the other day. We were talking about um, Midsummer and Hereditary, and and he goes, he goes, yeah, I watched. Uh, he was like, I watched Midsummer, like, like laying in my bed. I somebody told me it was a weird movie. I was, he was like, I wasn't ready for what it was. Uh, did, he, did he enjoy oh, it, or is he, he just, said yeah. he said it like fucked him up? Yeah, man, I think it's fucked a lot of people up. And I was like, you should watch Hereditary. He's like, I don't think I'm ready. That stuck <laughs> in my that stuck him that movie stuck in my head for a little bit after I saw it. It was odd. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, and, but you know, and even sometimes movies that I don't care for stick in my head. Um, a Joker was a good example of that. Like, I didn't like it, but man, I thought about it. The Green Knight for a while afterwards. We, we hated the Green Knight. And I yeah, I was about able to for a month. I was able to leave the Green Knight behind like a nut in the wind. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> That's a callback. There's a lot of semen in the Green Knight. Yeah, you just called out the semen in the Green Knight like two episodes ago, man. That's true. Yeah, so the Green Knight gets a lot more attention from us than it probably deemed necessary. But um, yeah, Star Wars at D23. I like the sound of the new Star Wars movies, and yeah. we hope for the best. Um, we just did like a hurricane recap of everything our little brains have. I like that. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been a little while, so it's good to good to knock some of this stuff out. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple trailers we wanted to mention. One in particular. Um, we usually we usually mention trailers if we see something that really catches our attention or something drops and it gets big. The Barbie trailer came out last week. <gasps> Barbie. We've we've kind of been Barbie stands since the beginning of the podcast. Did you see the? Uh, we lo we love the town involved. We love Greta Gerwig. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the quote though from Gosling this week? No, what did he say? He said, "There's never been a role in my entire life I felt more born to play than Ken." Says the star of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Put Barbie on my gravestone. Barbie's up to something, man. It's going to be a subversive movie. Um, I think it is very interested in inclusion. And representation. When someone texts you out of the blue and says, "Like, hey, you have a film podcast. You know a lot about movies. What should I watch right now? Do you do that based off mood, based off a recency bias, or do you have a movie that you always recommend people I do to watch? It based on who I'm talking to. Oh. Based on who I'm talking to and what kind of mood they're in. Okay. I ask him for a genre a suggestion. Hmm. I ask him for a genre, then I consider the person that I'm talking to, and then I cash in a. See, I had a person. I don't have many like sure things. So if someone calls me and says, "Oh, uh, I'm going to take an edible and I want to watch a comedy. I want to watch a funny movie. I'll tell them to watch Raising Arizona like nine times out of ten times. Because hmm. I think that's just like a sure thing, you know. Unless they're a music fan, then I'll be like, watch Spinal Tap. 
Well, the reason I ask, you reminded me, friend of the show, Reagan, um, she texted me and said, what should I watch right now? And without asking any of the uh, preemptive, you know, kind of questions that you do, yeah. I just said, watch Blade Runner, the original. Boring, though. She probably was bored by it. Ah, oh, but it's just so good. I love Blade Runner, but I was I was recently thinking about watching it. Um, just doing the whole, you know, you're surfing through the menu just for 45 minutes, not picking anything out. And I always stop on them like Blade Runner, ooh, the final cut, you know? Yeah, but all just the close But then when I start watching Blade Runner, I'm like, fuck, this movie's boring, but I love it at the same time. But can't we just get the Roy Batty, you know, at the end? Running through walls and shit. I like the Daryl Hannah stuff, too. Debbie Harry was originally supposed to play that part. I'm glad she didn't. Uh, Yeah, Daryl's great. What's Hmm. wrong with Debbie Harry? Nothing but that Daryl Hannah. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is a long time ago. You, I don't know if you're thinking that Debbie Harry's an older gal now, you know, but she was a she's done some acting. She's I don't think that stopped me. <laughs> she was in a David Cronenberg movie with James Woods called Videodrome that was really fucked up back in the early eighties. Around the Blade Runner era. And I think that's why she couldn't commit to Blade Runner, because I think it overlapped with a Oh, there's my girl on the screen. I get distracted quickly. By Megan. Our little robotic friend. Let's not do this. Right Returning now. to theaters December <laughs> December seventeenth, twenty twenty five. Megan two. I can't wait. I'm already counting the days down. Jesus. Uh, but Barbie is something I've been very interested in, and I think we're getting a better idea what it's about. There's a Barbie land where there are many Barbies and many Kens, very diverse, uh, different professions, different styles, different walks of life. But I'll tell you one thing: you saw this marketing campaign. Did you see all the memes? Oh my God! It With all the actors the and the yeah, peanut yeah, yeah. filter, what a fucking stroke of marketing genius! You know, I should have made a Ken meme for you. For the oh, don't do! I, I like Alan. I'm glad Michael Sarah's in this movie. Yeah, I'm glad I, Michael Sarah's still getting work. I love Michael Sarah. <laughs> you too. Maybe I'll make some Barbie memes for us. We'll do. I'll do one for each of us. But uh, it looks like she breaks out of Barbie world and comes to the real world, where the she goes to the toy company Mattel and Will Ferrell's the CEO of Mattel, and that's where the that's where the red flags started waving. Hmm. Because I just I don't know But so much talent involved I'm still going to be there To go see it It comes out the same day As Oppenheimer It's kind of what uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie There's another double feature To do That comes out the same day Yeah Yeah So I think I know What I'm going to go see You know what it's weird We're we're getting into like There's more movies coming out It's been a little while But there's like more movies Coming out where It was spread so thin After COVID for a while You know like every two weeks You got something to go see But pretty much every week There's something cool coming out Do you think Margot Robbie Scores a nom for playing Barbie? No. No? No. We haven't seen the movie. We have not. No. I don't I don't know. I don't think it's gonna be that kind of prestige project. Yeah. It could good if it's really good, if it's fucking clever, I could see Gerwig getting like a screenplay nomination. Yeah. That's art true. design, art design. Oh, it'll probably win costume. Yeah, some, yeah, some technicals and shit like that, sure. But I don't know. She could be great in it. Yeah. I think she's a great actress. I just think it's a very fucking weird thing. I also saw... Oh, like, hey, Dua Lipa's playing one of the Barbies. Yeah, Mermaid is. Barbie. Yeah, I saw... Official girlfriend of the Good Pals podcast. <laughs> I saw another quote, though, this week just um, from Margot that said when she read the the uh, script from this movie from Greta, she was like, oh, my God, this is going to be so fun, and it'd be even more fun if this movie actually ever were to get made. She had no belief in this movie being made. Yeah, because it's so out there. Yeah. And it appears, and it appears to be, but you can see the money's there. If they put some money into it, man, it looks good. The first teaser trailer when it dropped immediately got me interested. They uh, did a huge homage to 2001: Space Odyssey. Yes. The uh, the chimps smashing the bones, but it was her smashing a Barbie doll. It was yeah, with super... the monolith. That was a great trailer. You're right. Stevens. Right. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh, they're going somewhere with yeah, this. Yeah, weird for sure. And they still, and they probably still are, man. So I guess yeah, I'm still, I'm still excited. Barbie. That just, I don't know, just that one just threw me off a little bit. Ooh. Little uh, text. I shouldn't be looking at my phone during the pod, but you're right. You shouldn't be actually. A, a little text from a, <laughs> a friend of the podcast, my best buddy Ben Huey, huge, hey. our Batman correspondent. He just texted me and said, first trailer of the Penguin series." Oh, we can't watch it live, but um, no, we won't. But uh, yeah, we'll talk no. about it next week. That's exciting. Um, what else did I want to talk? About? I got a TV show I want to talk about real quick. Yeah, yeah, I got it pulled up for you. Yeah, uh, the new the new big hype streaming show on Netflix. Is called Beef, and it's a co-production between Netflix and our good pals at A24, who we talked about a couple episodes ago. Um, independent, innovative, you know, studio. And Beef is a ten-part series about a road rage incident that goes bad, and it co-stars Stephen Yen and Ali Wong, new um, official girlfriend of the Good Pals podcast. But listen, the show is guys. It's more than just like. 
I'm five episodes in. It's more than just like a, it's more than just like a road rage black comedy. Um, it's a lot of things, and I'm really impressed with it. Um, the acting, of course, is great. The characterization is rich. Um, and he does no wrong. Several different, and, and I think this is something that's important to the Asian community. Several different um, backgrounds of the Asian community represented. So there's Japanese, there's Koreans, and there's Chinese. But you know, it's important to them that they get their own, you know, like recognition. Yeah, lump together. That's a big deal for them, and and so you get a little bit of a, you get insight on the sort of some of the differences between the cultures and um, and a bit about Asian American culture in general. And I find that aspect very interesting. And then one of the weird things started to happen. You kind of like, as in a lot of black comedies, that people or characters um, are somewhat dislikable, you know, yeah, because they're sure. doing they're doing bad things. But they start doing these really subtle things, which each of the characters. Seems to get a moment where, like, you can really be disliking this person. They'll do something very subtle that makes you realize that this person is really unhappy and has some problems. And it's almost, and this is about this is about to be cliched, but what I kept thinking to myself was that saying, like, be kind to everyone. You never know what someone's going through. Yeah. And all these people, there's, like, little moments, like, I mean, horrible characters, like, fuck this lady, you know? And then, like, one... There's some, some scene always made me cry, like, in a coffee shop with, like, with one of the guy's mother's characters and I was like oh my god this lady's so lonely you know or this person's got so much they're so unhappy with their appearance and these things happen and, it's, and it doesn't come across like ham handed it's not cheesy at all it's done very deathly and um, it's and it's also and it gets a bit crazy too but it's really good guys it's 30 minute episodes I really wish I was able to quickly give people the benefit of the doubt when they like fuck with me or I have a terrible human interaction Dude, me too. Me I just, too. So, my I mean, but sometimes stuff like that, hey man, you know what? But, but what if a television show can stick that in my head today? And it's something I've been thinking about a lot today, actually. And um, I can't wait to go and watch more episodes when we're when we're um, done today. But I highly recommended. Well, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen it. Recommended to you too, Steve. Yeah, I think so, you'll like it, but Sounds like a great series, and yeah. I love Steven Yen. And it's a little funny, it's a little sexy, it's a little crazy, and it's definitely. You didn't mention my boy Cheeto Santino, Andrew Santino's in it, one of my favorite comedians and podcasters. Okay, who does he play? He's uh, the ginger white guy. Okay. You yeah. recognize this guy from Dave? Yeah, yeah. He just popped up on the last episode that I watched. Yeah. He's good. Great uh, great show. Interesting show. Beef, guys. And um, we'd like to hear what you think about it. As far as other series that we love and admire, <laughs> spoilers coming up, guys. Okay, yeah. We're going to... We have we have two weeks of succession to talk about. For about the next 10 minutes, we're going to have mild spoilers on succession. I don't think what we're about to say We're going to have full spoilers on succession for 10 to 15 <laughs> minutes. If you're not caught up on succession... Um, fast forward 15 minutes and you'll yeah. be on to the next you'll be on to our reviews let me check our minute mark just where we're at yeah okay yeah yeah 10 15 minutes we're gonna ruin succession uh yeah yeah so uh succession uh we're gonna start now guys so skip ahead to avoid succession spoilers in three two one you want to say it or should i say it long live the king the king is dead right logan roy is yeah. dead succession <laughs> Getting hype all over the world for the structure and the way they've dealt with the death of the patriarch of the Roy family, Logan Roy. Out of nowhere. Getting on a plane saying it's time to get aggressive, go do a deal, and uh, five minutes later he's dead. Off screen. Off screen death. And can I tell you something that stuck with me? Yeah. I texted Matt and I and I said I think they might have jumped the gun this episode killing Logan. We we're so early in the season and we didn't get to see him this episode. And you go, isn't that how it happens in life? Pretty yeah. sudden. Don't people just die and it's sudden like that? And I, I said, think that was very Fuck. much that was very much their intention. I think. You yeah. Know? I mean, clearly, but and, it's then, just like, and, and all the press that's come behind it, it seems to be like that's the case. But like we're finally like, here. We are we are at the succession. Yeah, it's time for the succession because. He had a uh, heart attack or heart failure, and he died on his plane on the way to uh, to do the deal with Matson. Mm. And it was a really, um, I think that someone that wrote for Succession or, or someone, I think, and many of us in our lives have had a 5 to 15 to 20 minute phone call about someone dying suddenly, mm. and you don't. And you go through the different stages, you know, of grief or, you know, like you go through a microcosmic version of the stages of grief, the coping, the bargaining, the anger, um, 
you know, have you heard of like the seven stages of grief or it's five stages? Yeah, of grief? yeah, yeah, for sure. You could do it in a short period of time when something like this happens. And it certainly has happened to me. I always just get sweaty. And so what, what we, what we got to see was like, in my opinion, I love watching. There's certain, there's certain shows and certain films where I like really watching people act. I like to watch what they do. Mm-hmm. And in this case, we got to see the four Roy kids. I want to include Alan Ruck too because he did some good stuff in this episode. Oh, absolutely! So I mean, we got to see the four. We got to see the four Roy kids. We got to see Siobhan Roman, Kendall, and Connor work through this over the telephone for thirty minutes. And what they shot actually in one continuous take. Yeah, I was actually in one scene and did some other takes of it as well. And and according to the director, that was Kieran Culkin's idea. Yeah, Isn't that cool. Yeah, it is cool. He said that he came back out and said it wasn't me. He's giving me too much credit, but apparently it was his idea. Oh yeah, he was on um just really quick. If if you're a fan of good interviews, Sean Evans on Hot Ones <laughs> what? did uh, Kieran Culkin this week because this episode was huge. And man, if you really like a good, cool, um, just different interview, start watching Hot Ones. They're quick, and uh, Kieran Culkin was on. I just started watching Hot Ones like a month ago. That's crazy that you, I mean I've seen I've this. seen excerpts of it over oh, the years. Okay, you know okay. what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but yeah. I mean they had like, well Pedro was on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Florence Pugh was on. For our listeners that don't know what Hot Ones is, it's 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 a first week feast YouTube show with host Sean Evans, where they literally eat ten wings of increasing Scoville heat. Yeah. As the questions themselves heat up, hot questions with even hotter wings, I believe, is the yeah. tag. Yeah, and they put they, they put these people through hell. Oh my God, yeah, but but um, man, does he not get a great interview out of people? And I'm so, sorry, I'm side. No, he's a, you but, say he is a good interviewer. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but the episode is is, is is you you said I don't want to leave Connor out. We can't. The episode's Connor's wedding. Connor's wedding, <laughs> aka Logan's death. I mean, uh, episode three of the season. Seven more to go. We knew this is a home stretch. Now succession is officially a succession, and uh, and it bears saying, you know, where there was an episode before that we didn't cover, um, where Logan came to see the kids at a karaoke bar, talked with them, and was telling them not to push for more money on the deal with Madsen, right? And he was right. He was giving them correct advice. He told him he loved him. Was, was he? Did he know it was coming? Yeah, I texted you about this tonight. We both saw the episode. I believe he uh, exuded the behavior of a person who knew they were close to death. Yes. Or maybe sometimes you don't know you're going to die, but you energy forces. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Not to be super heady or spiritual or whatever, but like I mean, in the moments leading up to his death, he made this last ditch effort, which some could say was potentially to help the sale of his yeah, company. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever entirely altruistic, but this is the closest I've seen to no, it. There almost seemed like there's a touch of sincerity, and he was right, telling them not right. to push Madsen for more money, because right? they're probably going to blow the fucking deal. Because they fuck everything up regardless. Yeah. So there was that, and there was this weird five to six minute long scene where Logan sat down in a diner with his bodyguard, who... You know, in these kind of shows and movies, how often does the rich guy really interact with his bodyguard? Yeah. You know, and and he sat with him and he said to him, he's like, "What the fuck is all this about?" What did he say to him? Do you remember what he said to him? He said something along. He was like, "I think he, he's saying like I think it all just ends." He said, "You're my best pal." Yeah, fuck. He said, he "You're my say. best pal." Yeah, uh, he says, "I know Logan says pal a lot." I always like that. So, um, and you know, and part of that, you know, Roman was jumping ship. He split off from the. He split off from uh, from Siobhan. And Kendall, and was going to jump back on with Dad. Oh my God, can we talk about how good Succession is, though, in the way of they take an episode about Logan's death, which is all misery, yes, and still give us a Jerry and Roman moment. Yeah, well, you- I want you to talk about Stevens a little bit. How we're talking about like watching these guys act is like a masterclass, right? Oh yeah. Let's talk about the individual reactions of the kids and some of the other characters to Logan's death, and what does it say about their characters? Starting with Roman, who gets the news. Uh, oh, he's, Roman's kidding. very regressive when it comes to his father, you know, and he really wants his approval, and he's he's the youngest, you know. Mm. And Colkin just like he's like sitting on the ground, like Indian style, like almost like gripping onto the couch, like a kid, you know. He turned like, into a little boy. He yeah. turned into a little boy, and um, I don't know. There's a line that's uh, uh, stuck with me. I mean, the, uh, basically, Logan has suffered some kind of large heart. Catastrophe on yes. this plane. They're doing compressions. He's, he's dead. He's dead. He's probably dead from the moment his his he has his heart attack. Dead is Dillinger. And and Tom uh, shivs a strange, not as strange, 
husband that she's going through a divorce with is holding a speakerphone up to him yeah. as the three kids talk to him during chest compressions. And he's not hearing any of these words. And one thing that stuck with me is Kendall, the eldest son, who's probably been through, you know, to his own earning the most amount of bullshit with his dad. He says to him, I love you, dad. I, I can't forgive you, dad. Yeah. I can't. I can't. Yeah. I can't. Like, what the fuck? And it, it showed aspects of their personality. Like, and what I, you know what I didn't pick up? I watched it twice because I wanted to sort of experience that again. It was, it was yeah, a I ride, dude. I want to watch it again. And, uh, like, Tom tried to call Shiv first, and she, like, she, she, um, like sent him, oh. sent him the voicemail and then he got in touch with the guys and Shiv was upset because she's like, it took you five minutes to come and get me. Oh my God. And that, that scene where Kendall goes and grabs Shiv and brings her up, her Sarah Snook, her face acting, I know I talk about face acting all the time, but her, she's yeah. like looking around, she makes some faces like she's going up to get on the phone and I'm just like, these guys are fucking unbelievable. Well, and Kendall will face, his, uh, um, um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Jesus Christ, who plays Kendall Roy? Um, why are we blank? Well, you know, my pals on the Big Picture podcast were talking about that, and they said, no, it was on The Watch, actually, a different ringer podcast. And they're like, say what you want about uh, Jeremy. Jeremy um, Strong. Jeremy yeah, Strong's sorry. method acting and shit like that. Fuck it, because he was so good. Well, he... Um, on when, this episode... I, that's you know. That same scene, though, when he's teary-eyed walking to get Shiv and <laughs> walk her back to like kind of the conference yeah. room. Do you see the way that there's still guests there and he still puts on smiles to like look up at people? Mm-hmm. I call it the white person nod. Yeah. When you accidentally lock eyes with someone, you just smile at them. It's what white people do. And he also sort of still, he, he's the only one who stays somewhat centered about like being like, okay, well, we have to be careful what we say. We have to think about, you know. He had his initial breakdown when he's on. I, I, I was reading something about like their detachment from real life was exemplified by him being on the phone like, I want the best heart doctor in the world. I want my doctor. I want the best. I want the best uh, airplane medical staff on the ground, like waiting for that plane, like in two minutes, you know. And it just wasn't his dad. His, father, his dad's dad. It's done. You Isn't know? it like, funny though that the the to- the torture they've been through with their dad and the wars, and they just like they still want to spare his life, like yeah. And I think dying though is maybe the best thing for their fight. I think that man. I, I I've seen it happen. You know, um, it's happened to me with a couple of friends. Not with family members, but I've had friends who who's happened with their parents. You lose someone suddenly, and you have unfinished business, oh. or there is some resentment or something, and it's terrible, you know. And all that, even, even someone you think you maybe despise or loathe, or are so angry with, it just goes away immediately. And I think that's sort of maybe some of the feelings that they were dealing with. Maybe I'm projecting a little bit, hmm. but obviously they're all very affected by it. And the chessboard is set. Logan's out. Yeah, that knocks the Roy kids about two or three rungs down the ladder, in my opinion, in terms of power. The board members aren't gonna kiss their asses. No, they don't have the. It's not a family-owned company. <laughs> no, so I mean, it's it's gonna be, it's gonna be a big throwdown. There's seven episodes, and it's really exciting. And you know, just hats off to the hats off to the succession team for uh, handling the matter the way they did, and everyone, you know, how the death was kind of shocking and. And unique, and you know what? I've heard no, no, no one mentioned that I've heard Stevens, and it's a film that you and I are both very fond of, and we've discussed before on the pod. Kind of reminded me of No Country for Old Men, hmm. with In what happened way. with what happened with Josh Brolin. Like he just gets killed by Chigger off screen. Oh yeah, and, and then you, it's like referred to backwards, you know. Yeah, that's true. I think that's a lot of people's qualm with that movie is like you don't get to, and maybe that was my original qualm, but you, you don't get you don't get the big cowboy showdown. No, because that's not life. No. Yeah. Hmm. So, really well handled. I mean, hats off to the whole team. We'll see all you guys at the Emmys getting your hardware. Sweeping everything. Succession. Seven more episodes, guys. We're going to talk about it every week. And I, what I thought was crazy, the guy is dead 14 feet away on this PJ. That's what we call private jets when you're rich. PJs. And, um, and um, they're like... Running the actions. They're like, okay, well, here's our press release for his death. Here's our... Exactly what I think would happen in real life. Yeah, probably. For real, yeah. Oh, yeah. The body's warm. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Great episode. Great television, man. Succession. We're going to keep trying to drive it home, man. Like, I keep telling people, just watch it. It's so rewarding. So good. We also love movies here, though. We're movie guys. And we got two to talk about. What's up? What you looking at? Don't don't out me. Sorry. I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. I'm like, I know we. I know you got a gig tonight. We're tight for time. Yeah, 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 it's okay. 
Well, um, you saw Air. This is one we talked about way back in the beginning of the podcast when the trailer yeah, yeah, yeah. came out. Mm-hmm. And we were like, great. Like, this is a good original concept, you know? Like, it's not like some IP thing. Uh, so it's a good dr- drama. Good filmmakers, good actors in it. Well, and, and I was extremely excited because... You and know. we've now paired it on a podcast episode with the Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Super Tell Ma- me about Air, though, because we're excited about it. I'm looking forward I, to seeing it. I will. Well, first off, I was extremely excited when I first saw the trailer for this flick because I don't know if I've mentioned this. I, I more than likely have. When people ask you who your favorite band is or who your favorite, what your favorite movie is, I always have a tough time with that because I like to split stuff into genres and, you know, stuff like that. But when people ask me what my favorite movie is, I always tell them Goodwill Hunting. I don't know if there's a better written and acted movie, and there may be that rival it, and I love different movies. But anyways, long story short, Goodwill Hunting's probably my favorite flick of all time, and who did that movie together? Maddie. Well, that was directed by Gus Van Sant, but it was co-written... Who wrote that movie? ...by Damon and Affleck. Yeah. And you know, that's we like the story behind it, too, because Two Pals made a movie. Like, they wrote that when they were in their early 20s. Yeah, and... Um, oh, you know, I was, I, was, I was thinking about those guys. I'm... I believe it's also the youngest award-winning for yeah. young, the youngest people to win best original screenplay. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to. I wanted you to do your air review. Can I tell a quick, a funny story before Please. you tell your air review? Please. I read this in a book called um, "Down and Dirty Pictures" about the independent film uh, insanity of the '90s. It was written by Peter Biskind and Damon and Affleck. Could not were so frustrated they could not get anyone to bite on this Goodwill Hunting script. They thought it was really good. And um, they just think people aren't even reading it. People aren't even reading it. So they put about, I think, 25 or 30 pages in. They put in a scene. What was Affleck's character's name? Oh, my God. Uh, Will Hunting. Oh, no, no, no. The <laughs> oh, Affleck. Was Will Hunting. oh, Affleck. Oh, sorry, sorry, they sorry. They put 25 or 30 pages in. They put in a fucking page where Robin Williams, the, the therapist, gives yeah. Will a blowjob in the office. It's like a fake scene. What? You've heard of like NFL players do this. Like they'll give the NFL player a playbook and you know, that's how they fool them. To make sure they're actually reading the... So they put in this scene where Robin Williams blows Will Hunting and Harvey Weinstein, now disgraced and in prison, head of Miramax, who eventually is the one who champions this movie all the way to the Oscars, gets on the plane, he starts reading it. They give him the one with the blowjob in it. And and Weinstein, Weinstein called screaming, he's like, I don't know what the fuck you guys think you're doing. He's like, I got this great movie on my hand. You got this guy's therapist sucking his cock 25 pages into the script. Is like, this a part of the movie? Or is this a true story? Yeah, yeah. And they're what like, that's the what we fuck? knew. That's like, that's what we knew. We had like, we had our, we had our deal. Like we were going to go with Miramax, you know, because Harvey actually said, Oh my down. God, he probably thought somebody was on to his, the, fucking, <laughs> the jig is up. Yeah. And, and read the thing. So that's a funny story about Goodwill Hunting hmm. that, uh, that happened. But air all these years later, 30 years later, they're back together doing this movie. Yeah, and um, uh, I know it was uh, Affleck's, what, second directorial? I know he did Argo and then uh, this. Gone, is Gone Baby Gone? Oh, that's true. That's true. Or Gone Girl. Gone Girl. No. No. Fincher directed Gone Girl. Gone Baby Gone. What's Gone Baby Gone? It's a mystery with like Morgan Freeman, Casey Affleck, uh, Michelle Monaghan. That one must have slipped me. Huh. Yeah, it's like a Boston missing kid movie. It's like Mystic River. Did he do the town as well? Yeah. Okay, so he's been around. But anyways, Air was probably his most lighthearted movie he's directed so far, and uh, yeah, just it, it follows um, it follows uh, Sonny Vaccaro, who's played by Matt Damon, and he's got one thing on his mind that's sealing the deal of Michael Jordan to to come to Nike, which. My whole life that I've been alive, Nike has been at the forefront of any apparel, and it still is. If you own Nike, you look cool. And and I and I guess I wasn't so familiar with that. Nike at one point was not that cool. And um, and it's this movie's funny because you know Michael Jordan signs with Nike, Air Jordan. You sure. know you know the legacy that this all leaves behind. But the whole time you're watching this movie, you're still stressed for this fucking guy. You don't realize how much went into to making this happen and, and 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 to be completely honest like if this movie's as you know not v- very hollywood and, and is true to its core i think the only thing that won michael jordan to nike was being like human like talking to his family like people and not like clients you know what i mean it worked who plays michael jordan's mom in this viola davis good performance i'm guessing 
Incredible. Always, right? Incredible. Who's not a character in the movie? Michael Jordan. Correct. What do you think about that decision? I really liked it because I don't think this movie was supposed to be about Michael Jordan. I think this movie is supposed to be about the idea of the shoe and Michael Jordan. And like, it was shot really cool too. You never see his face the whole movie. Yeah, you know, they, um, I think I heard somewhere that, you know, Affleck said, uh, he lets you get Michael Jordan to play him and like digitally de him. There's just no one that can be Michael Jordan. And it made me think about, you know, we talked about, I don't know if I brought this particular case, but we talk about iconography, right? And I remember in college hearing about a study that this is like what um, contemporary cultural anthropologists were doing is they'd go to villages in Africa or really remote places all around the globe with silhouettes of famous symbols or people, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. And the most recognized was Michael Jordan's head. His, his head or like the jump, the J. His head, jump? his head, like his head, ears, like neck, like the you know, Michael Jordan's head. Huh? They'd be like, "That's Michael Jordan. That's Michael Jordan. That's Michael Jordan." Which I always thought it was crazy. Could be an apocryphal story, but I've heard it several times. So um, even more like he would like outgrade Mickey Mouse. It's crazy. So when you have that, when you when you're that imprinted on people's minds and psyches, hmm. yeah. So, but the but it's about the pursuit of Jordan, and what so do you like the what's the strength of it? What did you like most about it? I mean, da- Damon just always delivers extremely like earnest and heartfelt performances, especially in his biopics, yeah. like you know Ford versus Ferrari is great in. But oh, in this movie, I mean, he just he he doubles down on on Sonny Vaccaro, and and this like one of the best things about this movie is the feel, like the aura of the late eighties, early nineties, and and the soundtrack. There's so many good needle drops. Um, we love a needle drop guys we're definitely gonna have a needle drop episode coming up at some point or another we're gonna need your help with that one though another thing that in this movie that felt like a um just like an extra piece of pie or something was chris tucker okay being cast as howard white he was so fucking good and he was more like an advisor to, to nike basketball at the time and was one of the friends of michael jordan that helped see the seal the deal but i think what people failed to realize was at, at until the Michael Jordan deal, there was never a deal in apparel or sportswear that gave, at least not this magnitude, that gave an athlete a portion of gross sales. Right. And didn't revolve around one athlete. It revolved around a sport. Yeah. and, and This is a football shoe. This is a basketball shoe. This is a baseball shoe. Yeah. And according to the movie, what inspired Matt Damon, or not Matt Damon, Sonny Vaccaro in real life to uh, pursue this idea of if we want Jordan, we have to give him a shoe. Yeah. His shoe. Kids Why did they pick Jordan? Did they have? Did they deliberate over other players or anything, or they just knew it was Jordan from the jump? Well, they kind of had this this board meeting and and a list of players that were dead set. Well, Michael Jordan was dead set on Adidas because let's be real, he's an eighteen year old kid or twenty something year old kid at the time. He liked what was cool, and it, I guess Adidas and Converse used to be cool. Run DMC, man. They still Back are in the day, rocking those Adidas, yeah. But um, but uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. But the, yeah, but yeah, the selling point. Was giving him his shoe, kids. Yeah. But yeah, Michael Jordan. I think you know this movie goes into uh, Sonny Vaccaro knew he knew ball. He followed basketball. Okay. And he he just said that kid's a winner. Like he knew it. He bypassed agents. He went and visited them in Wilmington, North Carolina. Met with his mom. Ma- Michael's mom pulled the strings at this time. It was um, it was pretty awesome to see like the nitty gritty of it all. But um, oh, another thing Nike did that I wasn't aware of. There was a rule back in the day in the NBA that the shoe had to be like 61% white. Okay. When they gave Michael his Air Jordan, it was like 80% red. Yeah. Which um, The red, white, and blacks were... Bulls colors. Most iconic shoe of all time, probably. Sweet. And um, they were like, what about the the rules? And Phil Knight came to the deal that they would pay the fine weekly. Yeah. So Michael. No, that's who Affleck plays Phil Knight, right? Yeah. Nike CEO, yeah. He's so fucking funny and neurotic in this movie. And Sonny Vaccaro's a very like nose to the grindstone, like, I want to get Michael Jordan. And Phil Knight always has this like Buddhist, like Eastern, like funny fucking proverb to like Yeah, I remember hearing he's always he was a bit of a like a little bit of a flaky, little heavy skinny like, kind of dude. He, he's like trying to convince Phil Knight, Ben Affleck's character, to uh to like give him the budget to pursue Michael. And he's like, no, absolutely not. And then he gets back and he's like, okay, I'll give you the money. And he's like, why? And he's like, he's like, I went on a run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. But so, I mean, 
But it seems like a, a critically good response. Uh, my friends that have seen it really it, enjoyed it's it. It's wonderful, and it's quick. I didn't feel like I... Yeah, the, how's the runtime on that no, bad boy? Um, the the runtime, I'm not sure if I can pull it up, but uh, an hour and 51 minutes. Yeah, that's cool. That's, you know, that's... that's yeah. it, it was a good flick, and there was no dead space. And, oh, Bateman, Jason Bateman also shines in this movie. Oh, yeah, man. He adds, a, he adds a very, like, human family element to this what corporate, was Bateman? corporate giant. So, Air... Um, Air Rock, man. I yeah, really like it. And good reviews. I can't wait to check it out. Um has a pretty respectable, considering the the type of movie it is. Has a pretty respectable twenty one point eight million week uh, box office opening. Then another movie made four hundred million dollars globally in its first week. And what movie is that, Stevens? It's a me. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Take a shot every time he says Mamma Mia in this movie. I think um, probably the highest grossing animated film of all time. Is that correct? Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. In five days. So um, there's a lot to unpack here with this because Nintendo, notoriously protective of their properties, they were burned once back in 1991 with the now cult classic Super Mario Brothers movie with John Leguizamo and the great Bob Hoskins as Mario and Luigi. Uh, Dennis Hopper was in it. You can look it up. There's all kinds of stories about how much of a nightmare it was. It was a bomb. And the guy, the the, the, the Nintendo master owner, um, I forget his name, became so protective of his properties that they just didn't do it. He just wouldn't do it for Here, a while. What's his name? Here, um. He just would not do um, a movie. Here's a quote. Here's a quote from um, the great Bob Hoskins, who played Mario in the, uh, in the old school uh Super Mario Brothers movie said, I didn't even know it was a game, Hoskins says, bemused to the interviewer. It was my kids that told me. They said, what's your next film? And I said, Super Mario Brothers. They said, oh, that's the game. I said, oh, what? And they're like, yeah, here, and this is you. And I saw this thing jumping up and down and thought, I used to play King Lear. (laughs) (laughs) So mixed bag experience for Hoskins and Leguizamo. Apparently, they just got drunk the whole time. Because they were so stressed out about the movie, but well, that movie fell flat on its face. No, this one, yeah, and it did. It was it was a bomb, and it went off. It was nothing like the game. It was it was a mess. This does not go off base in regards to its intellectual property. If you are a fan of Super Mario Brothers uh, or Mario Brothers, I'm a first generation Super Mario player. Uh, I played on the NAS one, two, and three. Loved all of them. I played it for hundreds of hours. Um, and I guess you're like a second gen guy. You're more. In, I didn't ever play any of the Mario Kart or the expansions of the universe or shit like that. Yeah, I played the '64 game. It's like, all in here, though, man, isn't it? Um, absolutely. It's all in here. I was like, I was like, I'm gonna see this movie, and I'll probably recognize a couple Easter eggs from like the old game, and then I'm not gonna get pick up on the other shit. But there's a lot of stuff that I got. The music is is clutch in so many different forms. They do it in eight bit. Some of the sound effects are exactly the same as they are from the games. Well, I was going to say one thing that uh, my brother and I had a phone conversation about leaving the theater was they don't like drop the sound uh, bites like right in your face from the game. What they do that was beautiful was they incorporate it into a film score. Yeah. Like, and I thought but sometimes when they come up out of a pipe, it's just like, bloop, 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 like yeah, exact yeah. noise. You, you, you know? do get, yeah. But I heard that I've heard the music in all different kinds of like forms, like orchestral and yeah. At the end, they yeah, added the rock and roll versions, the and star power sound. Yeah, that's what they, I like. The, that's what I said. The fast running. Like, oh, that's yeah. the fast running. Well, they they added that into like this, like almost like Hans Zimmer esque, like giant into the movie. Kind of, it was cool. It was neat. Uh, it it was a neat movie. Like, um, um we're gonna. The, uh, oh, you know what? I, you know the music part I liked when Jack Black was playing the piano, and he was like, "No, wait, man, sit down and jam with me." He's it, King Koopa, the Bad Turtle, and he started playing like the dungeon music when you go into the dungeon. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, yeah, that was so funny, man. Um, I had some laughs. Uh, I was a little apprehensive in the beginning. I was like, "Oh man, this movie's rubbing me the wrong way. It's just too, too aggressive with the with the with the brand and stuff like that." But it, it, it's a really well animated movie, and it's got a great voice cast. Um, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I fell asleep. I elected. To, I didn't fight it. I was like, I've seen enough that I can review this movie in a podcast. But what I was really the most excited about was Seth Rogen's Donkey Kong, and I did not get to see Donkey Kong at all because Matt fell asleep. Yeah, I did, man. But I was, it's okay. I wish I would have gone to air. I think you saw all you needed to see. Yeah, dude, and movie. you know what? It's fine. It's not a great. I mean, I've seen better animated films that I, that I like more, but. I can understand why everyone likes this, and the reason it's so successful is well, there's many Stevens. What do you think about the why it's successful? Yes, because it's it's just true to its core, and and like it didn't try to. 
It didn't try to like over personify. Like it, like it stuck. It, the, the 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 movie felt like a game. Yeah. Like it felt like it was following the 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 missions and levels of a Mario game. Yeah. And it, and it gave life to these characters in a, in a funny way. But and if you're a high end first generation player like I am, that would probably be like people that were like 20 when I was playing when I was like 12 or 13 or whatever. You're looking at nearly 50 years of of Mario fans. Yeah, and there was a lot to of the kids um, that play it now. The, the little squirts theater full of kids. Again, Tuesday afternoon, 70 degrees. Well, I must have missed some Mario games because there's a moment when he hits like a power-up box and turns into a cat. I never played a Mario where you turn into a cat. Oh, word? I didn't see I was sleeping for that. <laughs> you were sleeping. That's what he beats Donkey Kong. That's a hell of a thing. But, um... He beat... Spoiler, dude. What's up? <laughs> I thought Donkey Kong was a good guy. He is, but he has to beat him to get the Kong army. Well, that's how I was introduced to Mario is from Donkey Kong. I think, Donkey I, Kong I think that's when Mario was first introduced, right? Yeah, throwing barrels at him. So huh. jump over those barrels. Does he throw barrels in the movie, Donkey Kong? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. Would you wake me up for Donkey Kong, dude? You I didn't want know. to. You were sleeping like Was that snoring? Yeah. <laughs> loud? Was it loud snoring? <laughs> the movie was so loud that it didn't really affect your snoring. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Well, as long as no one else is bothered, because there's a fucking lot of people in that theater. Dude, I, I you know I would... I, I would I'm... Uh, interestingly enough, though, also one of the first... Um, kids movies released in several months and I have lots of uh, friends that have kids and they're like we're not putting any kids movies out people love to take their kids to the movies just to not have to deal with them for two hours <laughs> and it's been frustrating parents so I saw all over my social media I saw all the, all the parents taking their kids to see Super Mario this weekend and what's obvious I mean what do we say follow the money right yeah it's now what's going this is going to blow up Mario again? Their Nintendo will, I think, commit to doing a full cinematic universe with their properties. Yeah, the only thing they didn't and know they got the some end. good ones, you know. Yeah, and, but I think other video game properties are now going to get. If we're going to see it happen fast, yeah, believe but, me. But like, you've yeah. seen it fall flat before. Like Pixels didn't work. Ready Player One sure. was like indifferent. People are indifferent about that movie. You're not a fan? I fucking hated Ready Player One. See, I love okay. the book. Oh, there you go. I'm just. Well, that's what I'm, I'm yeah. just getting at. It like. There's the Last of Us worked. It was a video game. Great. This this worked. It's a video game. Mortal Kombat movies are pretty well received. Nobody gives a fuck. When they're fun, it's dumb kung fu shit. Oh, Street Fighter's making a movie soon. They're gonna try it again. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Room for improvement on that too. I was thinking about like I was, I was gonna um, try to come up with a topic like what would be some uh, weird video game movies that. Well, there's so I know you're not as familiar with this, but there's one of the best RPG story PlayStation games ever created is a game called Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. And it's a samurai epic. And it's going, I believe it's going to become an HBO series now, directed right. by, do you know who? Stalski. John Wicks. Oh, Chad Stahelski? Yeah. So nice. they think that's, just based off the Japan scene alone from John Wick 4, I think they know what they're doing. I love do. samurai stuff. Yeah. You, you would love Tsushima. The Last of Us is a samurai story. It's like Lone Wolf and Cub. That's like an epic, like, uh, you know. Samurai protecting, you know, baby kind of thing. Yeah. Batman's a samurai, sort of. You love that Batman. I do. But, so, no video games, I think, you know, and it's cool with Nintendo because, I mean, uh, The Legend of Zelda could lend itself to, you know, Lord of the Rings kind of, like, trilogy-level epic. I don't know if they're going to go all animated. I do Wait, not who's playing Zelda again? What? I mean, like, there's not... No, Isn't there's Tom Holland playing Zelda? Link. Or Link? Yeah. I, I was never a Zelda guy. Oh really? No, no. no I was told to play the uh, the Breath of the Wild. I never got into games like Zelda or Pokemon for some reason. You know Metroid? No, what's that? <sighs> Metroid is dope. You're like a robot soldier, like. Oh, I know what that is. Actually, yeah. and then okay. you find out. What was cool is you found at the end that there's actually a girl. She takes your helmet off. At the end, you take your helmet off, and it's got this long flowing hair. Is that like the bluest, the blue the, fish the, suit? The, the yeah. character's name is uh, Seamus uh, something something badass. Yeah, I've seen like that mercenary. Too. Yeah, so. Uh, I really would love to see. I'm, I'm sure Metroid is going to be adapted um, quickly, and so Nintendo's got all kinds of properties. And see, why do Japanese shows like why are they better at American shows in the sense of like, like, oh, everyone over there when she took her helmet off and it was a girl was like, whoa! If you did that in like the 80s or 90s in America, they'd be like, what the fuck? It's not no, Brad. that's what it was like, dude. I mean, I was playing this in like 85, 86, and it was just yeah. like, it's not Brad Pitt or oh it's my not, God, it's yeah, girl, right? yeah. yeah. You know, like, no way! And then you get to the end of the game, and you're like, oh shit, it's a girl. Who was our first cool gr Tomb Raider? Um, yeah. I don't think the Lara Croft movies. I read stuck comic books. Though, right? I read comic books, so there was all kinds of powerful, you know, women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like superhero, like superhero chicks, all the way back. 
um, you know, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, little shit like that. But I know I'm just asking, like in video games, why it was never. A yeah, because it's a, mis um, a misunderstanding of the market. Yeah, it's true. Girls won't like this. I mean, my sister played just as much Nintendo as I did. Yeah, there's this. Uh, and, and when we talked about Last of Us, we know lots of women gamers. Lots yeah, of female for gamers. Sure, yeah, for it's sure. a huge and, part of the market. And women streamers are the most successful Twitch streamers. Oh yeah, Twitch and stuff, right? Yeah. Did you, so you liked you enjoyed Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, man. I mean, dude, fun fucking movie. I don't know why it's getting weird reviews. It doesn't. That doesn't really make it's, sense. The animation's me. really crisp, man. It's cool. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's well done. The voice characters are good, and I, I, I just man, I, I don't think you can see it once and get all the Easter eggs either. You know I me. Mean? Once I get those feet up, sometimes man, it's just it's Heritage Week. I'm working late night at the bar every night. Yeah. Hey, can I do a little plug for myself real quick? I'm ready. Um, if you're not tied up with Heritage uh, at any point this week, and you want to maybe come out and expand your musical collection a little bit, I'm going to be minding the store at uh, Mojo's Island Records. On Palmetto Bay Road, uh, my homie store. I probably uh, I haven't talked about it on the show before, but you see me talk about it on social media. Really great record shop, killer collection, really good prices. We can spin some records, see how you see how you like them, see how they feel. Uh, have a beer, and uh, come on by. I'm there from eleven to seven. And they have a pretty fucking kish setup or kush setup over there, right? They've got like great records to choose from too. Oh yeah, man, it's great. Everything is you know everything is organized, and there's some nice comfy chairs you can sit in and. I just put it on at the turntable of the mothership and turn it up. And we get it sort of rock out in there. Nice. So I'm at Mojo's 11 to 7 Friday and Saturday. If golfing your thing is not really my thing, but rock and roll is your thing, which is my thing, come up and listen to records. You got anything interesting going on, Stevens? I don't, man. I'm actually, uh, I'm playing tonight, tomorrow, and the next day. So I play uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. And um, I requested Saturday and Sunday off this week because I want to go walk around a golf course with my friends. Nice. Stevens' second year at Heritage. Yeah. I hope you enjoy it, pal. Thanks, buddy. And we're going to be back early next week. Yeah. So, do you want to give it? Do you want to give everyone a sneak preview of what we're talking about next week? I would love to. This is not, well. First off, I want to say it, it, it's Wednesday. I think you said that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Early, but it's, it's it's Wednesday of Heritage Week, and um, yeah. we're going to put this episode out today. Yeah. So uh, this will drop. We'll tell you guys. You know, we'll post it, and then Monday we'll put another episode out because Matt and I were maybe for one of the first times in my life extremely swayed by a, a movie trailer and, and marketing campaign by Renfield. We are doing a vampires episode. We did a 180 on Renfield. We did a full 180. Yeah, man. I was not into it all, and now I'm way into it. So we're doing Renfield, and we're going to talk about vampires. And I can't wait because uh, your boy is a shameless Twilight fan. Holler. This is going to be like the water boy all over again with the football episode. We're having a vampire movie. There's thousands of movies that you pick from. We're going to talk about Twilight on the vampires episode. Do you realize how big Twilight was? Yeah, it's a global I'll phenomenon. Wait, I'll wait to tell you. Yeah. People, a, people a, camped. Yeah. yeah. Team, team Jacob or Team Edward I, for the fans? Uh, the, who's the Wolfman? I like the Wolves, Jacob. I Can like you believe wolves. this guy? I like the Wolves. It was just Kristen Stewart's birthday a couple days ago. Happy B-Day, Case too. But, um, yeah, I am Team Jacob. Uh, so, Vampires. We're going to talk about Renfield. We're going to talk about Vampires. And we are having a retrospective discussion celebrating the... 35th anniversary of Beetlejuice, Tim Burton's epic film. Yeah, just don't say it two more times. Starring Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, many more. One of my favorite movies. I'm sure you're pretty fond of it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're going to tell some stories about the making of it, share some Beetlejuice memories. Uh, it's going to be a cool episode. Um, mm -hmm. And it was a cool time hanging with you today, as always, bud. I'm glad we're back in the saddle. Until next time. I'm Zach. And I'm Maddie. And we'll see you guys soon. Later.